What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Last season, Cooper Cup, Mike Evans, Deontay Johnson, and Chris Godwin were all drafted in rounds four through six. In 2020, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Keenan Allen were all drafted in rounds four through six. That's why we're spending time focusing on this draft range. You get wide receiver league winners in rounds four through six. You also get Jamie Eisenberg and Dave Richard here joining me. I'm Adam Azer. Uh, We're going to talk about roughly 18 wide receivers on today's show and try to tell you the ones that you should focus on and the ones that can help you win your leagues. So, Dave and Jamie, first question to you. Jamie, I'll, I'll let you answer first. Do you... Do you feel like you basically go into your drafts uh, knowing, more or less, that you're going to draft, let's say, at least two wide receivers in this range, rounds rounds four, five, and six? Do you think maybe at least two wide receivers you should plan on that? No. Uh, probably one, because I'm probably taking receivers before round four. So I don't, I'm not going to probably come out of my first six rounds with five receivers. Uh, there's a good chance that I'll take four. And so I'll probably take one, maybe around four. And then on, I, I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, right. I guess I'll, I'll probably come out with, with two of these. Uh, okay. Uh, Dave, what, what, what do you think? think? Two in this range? Not only do I think I would take two in this range, there's there's a decent chance they'll be my top two receivers in this range. If I if I go running back, running back with my first two picks, <laughs> I like I'll probably go this. well it depends on where i am and what the rules are in the league there are definitely situations where i will not take two running backs back to back but in i I kind of agree with your answer if i'm picking late in round one i'm probably going to be more open to taking a receiver then and if there's another good receiver that makes it to me in early round two i'm going to take a receiver there and in that case i might take one receiver in rounds four or five and maybe another in round six and seven so I kind of got to the same place Jamie did. Yeah, I'm probably going to take two receivers in this spot. But I'm also kind of throwing in round three in there, and I don't know if I necessarily should. But that's usually the round where I'm almost always taking a wide receiver is round three. See, this is the 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 point, though, I think for me is where I'll probably disagree with the ADP is that some of the receivers that are going in round four based on ADP, I'm taking in round three. Like who? Well, Pittman, for one, Pittman, I saw on the yeah. list. Yep. Yeah, me too. I don't know me that too. Pittman's going to be a round four pick at the end of the day. He's going to be part of this show for sure. And if you look at NFC ADP, he's already a round three pick. But on Fantasy Pros, he's a round four pick. I'm going to get one more source of ADP here. Um, check Good, Fantasy because Life. You, you haven't confused the audience enough with your ADP sources. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate so far. that. Uh, well, well, you jump around from like three different places now. Well, I'm trying to give uh, some varied ADP. I, I don't want to rely on... I mean, on- the good thing about Fantasy Pros is it factors in several sites, so... Right. Yeah. The only problem with fantasy pros right now is I don't know what the date range is. So I, I don't know how recent it is, but Pittman could be a guy that gets in around three. I'm eliminating DJ Moore from today's show. I don't think he's going to be around four pick. Although I'll be honest with you, I'm, I did a Twitter poll that we'll get to in a second. And uh, the results. Yeah, you copied mine. Good job. Oh, I didn't see it, but, but uh, he might be around four pick. Um, I'm going to give a quick stat of the day. Pitt, Pittman on fantasy pros is 47th overall. Oh yeah. my God! And he's and he's the thirty second or something on NFC since June first. So yeah, that's probably more accurate for him. 
well, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> That's why I was wanted to look up one more source. Uh, anyway, I want to give you a stat of the day. It's kind of a weird one. Is actually I was looking at Michael Pittman. This is how it came up because I know the Colts are going to run the ball a lot. Uh, the last time a wide receiver on a team that was bottom five in pass attempts finished top 12 in PPR was Doug Baldwin seven years ago. So we've now gone six straight seasons without a top 12 PPR wide receiver coming from a bottom five pass attempt team. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. However, you go at bottom six and it changes everything. Because we've seen the teams that have been sixth, uh, the sixth fewest pass attempts in the NFL have produced A.J. Green. Five years ago, he was wide receiver 10. DeAndre Hopkins, four years ago, he was wide receiver one. And two years ago, Jefferson and Thielen were both top 10 guys. So it's kind of weird. Nothing from the bottom five, but bottom six changes everything. Top 10 total points or points per game? Total points. And there was actually one exception. Glad you brought that up. Uh, AJ Brown two years ago on the Titans, they were they had the third fewest pass attempts. He got hurt, missed some games. He was but top twelve per game. Per game. Mm-hmm. I think he was seventh, mm-hmm. but he was something like fourteenth overall. Uh, but it when is hard when you're looking at these guys because I, I think it's 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 somewhat relevant. Like they're obviously not being drafted in the first two rounds for a reason, or first three rounds for a reason, uh, because there's there's some flaws or there's some concerns or you know injury risk, whatever you know with, with somebody like Godwin. Um, are your expectations to get a top 12 player, top 12 receiver, or is your expectations to get a consistent quality producer as a starter? Like, are you swinging for the fences more or are you taking somebody that has a little bit of a safer floor? Wouldn't it ideally be a receiver that you can count on to be a wide receiver too, but you have the hope that they could be a wide receiver. Yeah, no, I, I think that's the that's you know how you would probably qualify these guys if you're you know putting yes. labels on them as safe starters with the chance to be top ten, top twelve. But I also think like you know th- there is some validity to just taking four players in this spot, um, depending on how you build your team. You know, so if just if you take four, this a little bit earlier in the draft, you just, know, if you take a McCaffrey for example, you take. You know, somebody's got a little bit more of, of you know, huge variables, you know, and how they're going to finish. Are you taking somebody that has a little bit of a safer floor? Oh, I thought you said just taking four players. You said just taking floor players. Floor players, yes. And this is where I go back to this stat. That because I, I don't really bring it up is because you keep saying top 10, top 12 finishes. You know, if the guy's a top 15 player, you, you probably got a pretty good draft pick there. Well, I think a lot of these guys are very good draft picks. You know, I, you'll see some busts, of course, but I guess my what I would say is, you know, give yourself a lot of opportunities to get one of those top five guys. You know, you get top five players out of this. You don't just get top twelve, but you know, th- you definitely want to dip into this pool, right? And give yourself, I'd say, at least two of these wide receivers. Give yourself a chance of finding that Cooper Cup. But if you look at the names that I mentioned at the top of the show, right, the guys in the last two years that really stood out. Cooper Cup, Mike Evans, Deontay Johnson, Chris Godwin, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Keenan Allen. Uh, a lot of them, I think Deontay Johnson, the noteworthy exception, and, and A.J. Brown as well, really good quarterbacks on really good offenses. And that goes back to a stat I've given out before, where in the last six seasons, only 15% of the top 12 PPR-wide receivers were on offenses that ranked 20th or worse. So do you think that's something we should be focusing on here is, hey, when in doubt, let's go with the guy who's on the better offense? Yes, for sure. Yeah. Well, it's tough, though, because then you then you talk about Darnell Mooney versus Allen Robinson, right? Because you have to, do you want just the target share or do you want the better offense? Or do you want the combination of that? I don't even know what the combination is. Pittman would be maybe the combination, but we don't know if he's going to make it into round four. Um, you know, what? how do you, well, Jalen Waddle? Versus yeah, no, those guys, it, you know, it, it's, it's certainly something that you know it, it's it's how you should be you know approaching it. Um, and I think it comes down to you know Pittman. We don't know how great this Colts offense could be. It's you know probably going to be middle of the pack. I would say um, the Bears are probably going to be you know bottom of the of of the offensive rankings. You know things go as 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 we expect. But Mooney's going to be a guy that may have 20 or 30 more targets than several of the players in this range. You know, if this offense projects the way it, it looks like and what we saw from him last year. So, you know, those those type of things obviously factor in. But 
um, it, it's, it's, obviously, it's obviously something you should take into account for sure. Well, but taking it a step back, what makes an offense great? Typically, it's quarterback. You got to start there. And then what makes a wide receiver great in fantasy? I don't know. What way are you going? Quarterback and opportunities. Targets, getting a lot of opportunities. Catching a lot of touchdowns, too. That always helps. But if you've got a good quarterback and you're in a position where you, you should get a lot of opportunities, I mean, it seems pretty obvious to me that those are the two qualifiers that you're going to look for from receivers in this group when you're pitting them against one another. Right. When you when you take a look at the guys that are in this range, you know, you're going to see Deontay Johnson. Like, I'm looking at, and I think we should probably not necessarily go maybe just say rounds four through six, we should use picks because for people in 10 team leagues mm, or even larger yeah, leagues. You know, right, so we're right. talking what 37 through 72. Yep. So 37 through 72. Um, I don't know what list you have here, but the, the list I'm looking at from fantasy pros, it's Deontay Johnson at 39 through Portland Sutton at 61. Gabriel Davis. Well, this is weird, I guess. Some of these guys are in this range. No, I, look, I, I gave you the, the list. It does start with Deontay Johnson. It ends with Allen Robinson. There are, if I remove DJ Moore, there are 16 wide receivers in this range, and they are Jalen Waddle, Deontay Johnson, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Michael Pittman, DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams, Brandon Cooks, Marquise Brown, Michael Thomas, Darnell Mooney, Amonra St. Brown, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Allen Robinson. And I gave an honorable mention to Adam Thielen and Hunter Renfro, who are just after round six, but I think a lot of people take them in the first six rounds in a 12-team league. So that's 16 to 18 names there. If you look at Fantasy Pros, it's also Gabriel Davis, Elijah Moore, and I guess that Mm. might be it. I actually don't think so, Jamie. I I think you might be looking at non-PPR because I'm looking Um, at full PPR and Elijah Moore is at 78 and Gabriel Davis is at 80. Yeah, that makes me wonder if Moore is that high. I wonder if Moore is that high if this is like a full off-season ADP and not like since the draft or since June 1st or anything like that. Are you just looking at wide receiver, Jamie? Yep. Yeah, if you go to all, I think you get... Better ADP. Okay. Yeah. So um, anyway, yeah, it's about 18 wide receivers or so in that range. Uh, hopefully not Elijah Moore and Gabriel Davis because uh, hopefully you can get them a little bit later. And oh, the, <laughs> the Davis hype is going to be way out of control. He's so, going to right. push him up into this range. For I'll, sure. put him in this, in range. I'll put him in these notes then. Um, all right. We'll come back to this list in just a bit. I want to get Dave's take on, on Baker Mayfield as he was not on the bonus pod yesterday. If you missed that, we did a whole 20 minute bonus pod on the Carolina Panthers with Baker Mayfield. Now I do want to tell you that tomorrow's episode is, is to be determined. Don't know what it's going to be right now. It's supposed to be a, I thought it was, uh, the, the podcast league giveaways. Yeah. It's supposed to be a live mock draft with listeners, but we might do a mailbag instead. We might, uh, if we don't finish this topic, we might get more into these wide receivers. So tomorrow's episode is to be determined, but you can watch every episode either live or on demand at youtube.com slash fantasy football today. The only ones you can't watch or the only ones you can't listen to are the live mock drafts that we do on Tuesday afternoons. So that's why you need to go to youtube.com slash fantasy football today, become a subscriber. And by the way, uh, if you um, are watching, please hit like on the video. We would appreciate that. And podcastawards.com, vote for us. Adam, if you if you subscribe, yes, vote for us at the Podcast Awards. If you subscribe to the YouTube videos and then you get an alert when we go live, aren't you getting the podcast in real time? Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. you'd have an edge over everyone else, even people in your league that listen to the same podcast. You'll get it first on YouTube. Exactly. Yep. And that could really help with the waiver wire shows, mm-hmm. et cetera. Uh, news and notes. So the Panthers acquire Baker Mayfield for a conditional draft pick. According to The Athletic, the Panthers envision a training camp battle between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. (laughs) Uh, Right, exactly. It's going to be Baker Mayfield. So I I did what round, Jamie, I came up with this very original Twitter poll. What round are you drafting? (laughs) Did you do the same exact thing? Uh, Yes, a few hours before you. How did I see Adams and not yours? It's weird. Bots. I retweeted Adams. Oh, thank you. I thought it was a good, are the results the same? 
Mine was about, I'm trying to look it up now, but my computer It was mostly sucks. round three, round four, if I remember. Yeah, mine was about 33% yeah. round three, 33% round four. So, uh, you know, I feel like for us, he's going to be easy round three. For Heath, he's going to be round two. Dave, what about you? Where are you on DJ Moore? Uh, I'm not going to be that high on DJ Moore. Um, he was a late round four pick for me before the trade. I moved him a full round up. He's a late round three pick for me. Baker's an upgrade, but... Baker's track record with wide receivers isn't exactly great. The best receiver that he's ever worked with was Jarvis Landry. Uh, they combined for 1,100 yards and six touchdowns. No receivers had more than six touchdowns. The only one to have six touchdowns is Jarvis Landry. Only two receivers have had over 1,000 yards from Baker Mayfield. It's Landry and Odell. Both of that came in 2019. And more for, for all the good that he's done with terrible quarterback play, still hasn't been a top 12 wide receiver on a PPR per game basis yet in his career. In fact, he's finished outside the top 24 in each of the past two years. So when I moved him up, I moved him to wide receiver 15 and that feels a little gross to me. I feel like I'm taking him. I feel like, I feel like his floor is still in that 1100 yard range, lots of catches, 85 plus catches. And I think he can do better than four touchdowns. I think he's better than four score more. I think he can get to six. The one edge that Baker has considerably had over Sam Darnold over the past couple of years when you look at their stats is touchdown rate. So Baker should be able to throw more touchdowns. That should help DJ Moore get more touchdowns. But I don't think Baker Baker's an upgrade. I don't think he's the the best upgrade we could have asked for for DJ Moore. And I also think the schedule is going to be really tough for them. They play the Saints twice, the Bucks twice. They play the AFC North. Those are tough defenses. They play Denver. They play the Rams. They play the 49ers. That's 11 of their 17 games. DJ Moore is going to have a lot of work to Really, that schedule concerns me more about Baker than it does DJ Moore. So I, I'm drafting him at, at close to his floor. I think he's not a top 12 wide receiver. And when I say I'm taking him in round three, it's going to be toward the end of round three. Okay, so sixth in the PPR rankings for Heath. Ninth for Jamie. Six, fifth, sixth? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Fifteenth for Dave. Where, and Jamie, where do you have him? Nine. Love this. Wow. Love this for DJ Moore. I mean, okay. Okay. You guys are going to get him. All right. And the Twitter audience. So my awesome Twitter poll had 1,733 votes. 6.2% would take DJ Moore in round two. 31.3% in round three. 37.6% in round four. And 24.9% in round five. So he probably should be part of this round four through six discussion, but it's pretty obvious guess, that he's well, at the top I'm of the I'm going to guess list. his ADP is somewhere in the middle of round three. Okay, so expect him. When I ask you guys who your favorites are, it's going to be DJ Moore and some others. Uh, where, By the way, where are you going to rank Baker Mayfield? I did not get to that. He's 25th for me. He's lower than that for me. Okay, and Seattle plans to have Geno Smith and Drew Locke compete for the starting job, according to Greg Bell of the Tacoma News Tribune. That's so exciting. frustrating for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And Jameis Winston was throwing without a knee brace, uh, which is nice to see. Hopefully making progress. I don't know if that means he can play without a knee brace, but throwing without one was good to see. Okay, so. I hope it was in some fun workout video. <laughs> He's, they, they posted a video of him working out with Will Lutz at the Saints facility. Mm. And I hope he's, he's not holding running for around while. doing all sorts of stuff. Right. <laughs> oh, I hope he's not working on his, his holding drills. Yeah. So again, these wide receivers. Oh, what happened to my trivia? I have wide receiver trivia. I have to get the trivia for today. I'm sorry. So these wide receivers, I'm just going to say the names one more time. Jalen Waddle, Deontay Johnson, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Michael Pittman, DJ Moore, probably going to be our two favorites. Maybe Brandon cooks as well. Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams, Brandon Cooks, Marquise Brown, Michael Thomas, Darnell Mooney, Gabriel Davis, Amonra St. Brown, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Allen Robinson, and then just after that, Adam Thielen and Hunter Renfro could, could definitely sneak into the top six rounds, which would be the top 72 picks. I know it's a lot of names. You don't have to remember them all. There will not be a quiz, but we, these are the guys we're going to be talking about. Uh, all right. Sorry, I have to look up my fun trivia questions. I think we will enjoy about the wide receivers in this range. 
so fun that you forgot them. I just forgot to put and them in the notes. seemingly misplaced them. Okay, which wide receiver in this range led his team in receiving while no other player on his team reached 400 receiving yards? Is it Brandon Cooks, Michael Pittman, or Terry McLaurin? Could be all three of them. 400 yards? Uh, I'll say McLaurin. I'll say Pittman. It is Michael Pittman. Here's the big problem with this trivia is I actually don't know if it's more than one, but I do know Michael Pittman <laughs> is an answer to this. It was too Pascal, right? Yes, Zach Pascal. Uh, oh, and Terry McLaurin as well. J.D. McKissick at 397 yards. Let's see if Brandon Cooks also is there. But this is what we're talking about. I mean, the guys are just going to, maybe not McLaurin anymore, but Pittman's just going to dominate uh, targets and yards. Nico Collins at 446 for Houston. Next trivia question that I may or may not have the correct answer to. All three had the next best receivers under 450 yards. Yeah. Wow. Which wide receiver had the highest PFF pro football focused receiving grade uh, at 12th overall? Which wide receiver in this range was basically the highest graded receiver last year? Let's see. I'll give you some multiple choice. (laughs) Was it... Jalen Waddle. Which wide receiver from an arbitrary standpoint is the best? <laughs> Was it Jalen Waddle, DJ Moore, or DK Metcalf? I'll say Moore. Uh, Waddle. Ooh, who right. cares what PFF thinks? <laughs> DK Metcalf was actually the top rated. And then Tyler I'm Lockett. Surprised. I know, me too. Uh, Tyler Lockett was right behind him. <laughs> uh, which wide receiver has caught fewer than 10 touchdowns in his last two seasons, but that represents 24% of his team's receiving touchdowns over those last two seasons. And the answer is not DJ Moore. It might be DJ Moore as well, but eliminating him. Well, because I wasn't going to put him in these notes. Uh, This is 10 touchdowns over the last two seasons? No, fewer than 10 touchdowns in the last two seasons, and that is actually 24% of his team's receiving touchdowns. Pittman? No. McLaurin? I think he scored more than that. McLaurin is... McLaurin is the answer. Pittman actually only had six out of 27 touchdowns last year. McLaurin is very similar to DJ Moore. I think their their careers have been very similar. They have had major touchdown problems, but their teams have had major touchdown problems. All right, here we go. Here's a fun one. There are two sets of teammates all being drafted in this range. All uh, That's false. There are two sets we of got teammates. got the Broncos guys. No. This is a hell of a trivia question. Not all of them. Sorry. Two of them have been drafted in this range. Two sets of teammates who ranked in the top 15 in green zone targets in 2021. What's the green zone? 10 yards Inside in. Inside the 10. Who are they? They ranked in the top 15 in green zone targets in 2021. They are teammates now. They are teammates. And they're both in this range? Oh. Uh... So one if one on each team is in this range. Wait a minute. <laughs> one on each team, but they're on the same team? No, one of the teammates is in the round four through six range. Waddle and Tyreek Hill? No, but that's, I mean, that's the idea. Um, Renfro and Adams? Yes. And the other Marcus two... Brown and DeAndre Hopkins? No, the other two were teammates last year and this year. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin? Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Ah, uh, Yes. All right. Makes sense. Which two teammates have stats? <laughs> this was terrible trivia. All right. <laughs> so bad. Let's do the questions now. Who are your top three wide receivers in this draft range? Uh, DJ Moore, Michael Pittman, and I'll say Cortland Sutton. It's Pittman, it's Brandon Cooks, and it's DJ Moore. Oh, yeah, Brandon Cooks over Sutton. Okay, so it's the same top three for everyone. If DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks, and Michael Pittman are available when when you get to round four or even late in round three, these are the guys you're taking, right? Go get them. Well, apparently round two if you're Heath for DJ Moore. (laughs) What's the order for you guys? I just gave it to you. Pitty, Uh, Cooks, Moore, Pittman, Cooks. Oh, okay, so very, very different. Uh, okay, who do you in this range do you just not see yourself drafting? Deontay Johnson. Uh, St. Brown. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there could be more than one answer if you guys want to just. Oh, okay. Who, who do you eliminate? Yeah. St. Brown would be in that in that list as well. Um, Mooney. I'm pretty sure people are going to take Mooney mm. before I consider Mooney. Uh, I would definitely take Mooney in round five or six. Uh, Cooper, I would not take at this point. Um, yeah. What about D- uh, Jamie? Are you also not drafting Deontay Johnson in round? No, four? I would gladly take Deontay Johnson. Okay, so that Dave said Mooney and Deontay Johnson. He's not really feeling those guys. Jamie does not agree. Uh, you want to get into that a little bit? On Deontay Johnson? Yeah, let's start with him. Dave, I know why you don't really love him. Not super efficient. Won't get as, in your mind, won't get as much uh, target. Right, this offense year. is going to change. Quarterback change. Don't see Deontay's role necessarily changing. Um, but I do think his the volume of targets goes down. Um, volume of targets could go down, could also stay the same. Uh, this is a team that's probably going to be playing from behind a little bit more than they have in the past. Uh, I think we're going to see hopefully better quarterback play because Roethlisberger, while he was great in terms of manipulating things with his mind, physically he was limited. So the, whether the combination or one of the two out of Trubisky or uh, Kenny Pickett, hopefully Pickett, uh, will, will help get some better quality targets for Deontay Johnson. And so uh, entering contract situation, getting him in round four, still going to be a guy that, you know, on a team that, Lost two wide receivers. Uh, hopefully, we, we see some production from Pickens, uh, but that remains to be seen. And so I think we'll see uh, a still quality play from him and hopefully some better plays downfield. All right, how about Darnell Mooney? Darnell Mooney had four 100-yard games last year. Two of them were against the Lions. Two of them were against Baltimore and Minnesota, where he had 16 targets in each game. And a lot of his production came with Andy Dalton and not with Justin Fields. But hopefully we get a lot of improvement from Justin Fields this year. So, J- Dave, you're not really seeing yourself drafting a lot of Darnell Mooney. Jamie says round five or six is fine for Darnell Mooney. Dave, what's what's the case against Mooney? Why are you not really interested, I guess, at his cost? I've got him at 60th overall. So, technically, I'm, I'm in that round five, six range, like Jamie said. But just put me closer to six than five. Uh, I, I, the target share is great and the opportunity should be there for him. He had a 54% catch rate from Justin Fields last year. He, um, five end zone targets from Justin Fields last year, his explosiveness overall last year was 72nd among wide receivers, 19.2% fields was second in bad throw rate at 22%. Those things have got to improve. Mooney's got to be able to make bigger plays after the catch, and he's got to be able to connect with Justin Fields even more. I I don't know if Mooney is a number one type of wide receiver, and I also don't know how field-centric this offense will be. It would make sense if they put more on Fields' plate this year and you know let them see what the kid can do, and I think he can definitely make plays uh, off script and, and, and do great things both with his arm and his legs, but I'm, I'm nervous, man. That offensive line is ugly. I don't know what this offense will really be, and I don't know how much all these other peripheral receivers might take away, and there could be an edict that comes along with it saying, don't overthrow to Mooney and spread the ball around a little bit more and get, and this is going to sound terrible, but get Byron Pringle and Vilas Jones involved and get Cole Komet involved and maybe run the ball a lot. Um, I, I, just, I, I think the target share, it's almost the same argument that I said for Deontay Johnson. I think the target share comes down. I think the volume comes down, and both of these guys kind of left you a lot to be desired in terms of explosiveness. Case for Darnell Mooney, Jamie? I don't see the targets coming down. I see this team struggling and playing from behind a lot. He had 140 targets last year. There are only 11 wide receivers in the NFL at 140 or more targets last year. I think he's well within that range, if not more than 140 targets. Uh, Justin Fields throwing to Vilas Jones and Byron Pringle. Good luck for you. Uh, I'm going to target Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet as much as I possibly can. So I think we'll see a more aggressive play caller. I think we'll see a little bit more passing on early downs. I think it will definitely help Darnell Mooney's situation. So uh, this is the type of receiver that's going to dominate his team and targets, and these are the type of guys you want on your fantasy team. So I guess the question would be Darnell Mooney versus, you know, the Broncos guys. Who are you taking? Sutton, Mooney, Judy. And Judy has a strong camp. I'll take Judy over Mooney. And that's exactly how it's being drafted right now. Sutton, Mooney, and Judy. Okay, let's see. Where do you have Mooney ranked overall, Jamie? Uh, Overall? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Somewhere in the 50s. Right. So, I mean, we're literally within 10 spots of each other, if not five spots of each other. 
But it's interesting because there are just players in fantasy where even though you have them ranked a certain way, you probably have a different level of excitement for them. Yes, that's what it sounds like here. Yeah. Jamie nice. sounds really excited about Mooney, and I'm less enthused for sure. If we were to draft the way we should draft, which is there's probably five or six running backs that should go in the first two rounds, and then the rest would be wide receivers, all these guys would be pushed up. Wait, 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 say again? If we were to draft the way that we should draft, which is prioritizing wide receivers much more ahead of running backs. Why should we do that? Yeah, why? Yeah. Because the rate of success is certainly more in the favor of wide receivers. You listed how many guys that finished in the top five of their position going around four through six? No, not top five. Top top twelve ish. Top twelve. Yeah, uh, I think I said. For, for I don't even think Mike Evans and Chris Godwin's did last year because they missed time. I'm not sure, but I was just talking about kind of standouts. It wasn't a specific. Top we take 12. more chances at the running back position than we do at wide receiver, correct? Well, we draft yes. them earlier, but th- I think the the reason. Well, part of the reason why rounds four through six are so good is because there are so many running backs that go early, and it. it mm-hmm. That's the point. And then That's the, the wide receivers if we are- drafted the way that we should which is taking these wide receivers earlier. I don't know that I see it that way. Yeah. Like, are you talking about a league where you start I'm one talking about quarterback? In general. This, is, this is why zero RB was born. Sure. It's because the success rate of these well, players are definitely no, higher. No, because these are, I don't know if you're necessarily targeting these players if you're going zero RB. You're getting well, some you, of them, you would, but you're you taking receivers even them. earlier. Zero RB is to take advantage of, of the wide receivers that – are safer but might not have the same type of ceiling. But they're also taking the these guys running backs would have, in the, in, but they're in not the four as or five fragile. rounds as opposed to five through seven or six, six through eight. Right, but whether you draft zero RB or not, people are targeting wide receivers in this range in pretty much every single draft. Well, all right, I don't really know uh, what just happened there. I, gonna- <laughs> I think I think maybe Jamie's point would be better made if if it's if you're in a league where it's like one quarterback and six flex spots. And no. you don't even have to draft a running back. And if no, that were the case, I think the game changes completely. It it just it just it's why here RB is born. It's why zero RB is, is has been a thing. It it's because the success rate of these players is 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 higher. Yeah, but and so but th- this is not. But I don't get that because hero zero RB would be taking wide receivers with each of your first two picks, or like a tight end and a wide receiver. Right. I'm and talking about rounds four through six. Yeah, I, if more well, the, people did it, it would. The reason why people like two zero RB drafters in every draft. No, I, 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 exactly. That's the point. The reason why people if, take running backs early is because the best running backs in football, in fantasy football, are typically the most valuable players in fantasy football. Agreed. But and, how many of them are there? And there aren't there aren't that many who have a chance right. of doing it. So you have to take them early. That's and you know you can find receivers. Yeah, you take Look, more Nobody's going to change the way that they – that philosophically, no one's going to change the way that they draft if you have a way that's been successful for you. You know, so it's it's a matter of, you know, tweaking the mindset of what's the best thing to build your fantasy roster. And if you were doing it the, the from, from a number standpoint, from which positions hit the most, you'd be taking wide receivers earlier, which would push these guys up. Okay, let's do more trivia. Which two teams had the <laughs> lowest pass rate in the red zone last year? Percentage of passes, the lowest pass rate in the red zone. This should be pretty easy, I think. I want to say Tennessee. No. Eagles, Eagles and Colts. Eagles and Colts. Yeah. Yes, you're right. I am, I know. That's very, very easy. <laughs> That's what we should have thought. Who are you nervous about missing out on in this range? Oh, I don't know if I've got an answer for that. I have, uh, the I have an three answer. That we listed? Mm, uh, I guess I mean it more like, like for me, I'm kind of low on Mike Williams, and it's sort of tearing me apart. I don't think I want to be low on Mike Williams anymore. I'm very nervous about missing out on him. Probably need to be higher on Mike Williams. I don't so know you would not take Mike Williams in the first six rounds? Oh no, no, I would. I just he's not he's toward the front of this group or maybe in the middle. Um whereas uh, like I I think, you know, he You're goes ahead of drafting him where. I think actually where he's going, 54th. I think round 5. I don't think I'm taking him in round 4. Round 5 I'm good with Mike Williams, but I don't think I've drafted Mike Williams in any draft and I might need to change that. I might need to seek him out a little bit more cuz I am nervous about this is the guy. I mean, this is the great offense. And led the team in receiving last year. So, and he's in year five. What did I say last year, uh, yesterday, Dave? Most of the guys who pop in this range are year three, three, three four, four five. five. So, um, 
I got to be a little higher on Mike Williams. I feel like I'm I'm missing out on him too often in mock drafts. Maybe that's a better oh, question. Are are you guys I, I, regretting any misses in mock drafts lately? Well, it's not, not from because you take him two rounds earlier. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I don't think there's anybody I feel like I'm missing because there's this, it's such a bountiful group. I feel the same way. the The receivers. I'm just looking at them now. My my top thirty receivers, the only ones that I think I might regret missing out on, are very much toward the top. It's Jefferson, it's Chase, it's Diggs, it's Mike Evans. Okay, okay. N- literally, not one receiver from this group is one that I'm like, oh, got to have him. I'm scared of about what I'm going to miss out on. And that's why I don't really feel that way about Jalen Waddle, which is why I never seem to draft him. I never feel like if I don't take Jalen Waddle, oh man. What a huge mistake I might be making. Obviously, I could be easily wrong. I, I doubt I felt that way about Cooper Cup last year. You know, I was on Robert Woods. Um, mm. But it's hard for me with Tyreek Hill there, with probably a team that's going to want to run the ball a lot if they can. It's hard for me to see Jalen Waddle having a type of season where I am losing because I don't have enough of Jalen Waddle. You know what I mean? It's hard to envision 140 targets again. It's hard to envision 100 catches again. And I'm with you. I, he's not somebody that I, I, I tend to target in this range. I would take him closer to around six than I would to round four. And his ADP, at least as of a couple weeks ago, was the 13th receiver off the board. That's crazy. Can I lay a question on you guys about this Dolphins team? How effective do you think they'll be running the football? Not asking for names of running, but just how effective do you think they will be running the ball this year? Fairly effective. Average. I think they will be average at best running the football this year. And I think a great alternate to running the football is short passes. And they succeeded very well with Waddle last year doing that. And they can build off of that with Waddle. And they can get some short passes to Edmonds and to Tyreek Hill, other players too. But I bet this ends up becoming one of the pass-heavier teams in the league. I bet they don't do a good job running the football. I mean, that would be a break from... Kyle Shanahan's offenses. It would be. Oh, I, I agree, but I think I just think that they're set up to have maybe maybe in McDaniel's mind, it's plan A is to run the ball and, and to succeed with the wide zone, and if it just doesn't work out, plan B is still pretty good. It's lean on Tua to just make a bunch of short throws and use that as a substitution for the run game. It certainly can. A lot of pieces I, who can I do that. That have... model would be one of those pieces. So I can't I can't rule out 140 targets again. I think it's unlikely, but I think it's I think it's close to the ceiling. I, I'd be shocked. I mean, everything he did last year was with such crap around him, and now you have one of the best receivers in football with him. Mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if he's over 120. Jalen Waddle had six games last season with 70 or more receiving yards, and Devontae Parker played in only two of them. So he w- actually, I mean, if you look at just his numbers when he and Parker were both playing, both healthy, Waddle was better, more targets. Better at everything, except, I think, touchdowns. Uh, no, even touchdowns. Uh, but his best games did come without Devontae Parker. Waddle, I think, seems like a great fit for this offense because he can do so much after the catch. Yep. Um, yeah, he's, he's going to be good. There's only there's just one thing I don't like about Waddle, and it's Tyreek Hill. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's it. a big thing. It's a huge thing. And any wide, any rookie wide receiver who gets 1,000 yards is, is basically a guarantee to be a good player, a really good player, and have a great career. But... It's rare to see them. At, it's rare to see that player have to deal with an addition like Tyreek Hill. It's just hard to find examples like this. And when I did find a rare example like that, it wasn't good for that year two receiver. Um, so uh, yeah, that's kind of an interesting question, though. I guess uh, is is like when you when you are deciding between Terry McLaurin and DK Metcalf and Michael Pittman. Well, Pittman, I know you guys like and Deontay Johnson. Whatever, I mean, is it? Jamie, you asked it earlier. Are you just looking for floor? I think for me, it's I'm I'm looking at. I don't feel like I'm missing out on a league winner here. So I guess I'm looking for league winning potential. And I wonder if you guys feel the same way. Well, I mean the 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 guys I think that we're looking at here have varying degrees of that. Like Williams is a league winner. Mike Williams is a league winner if he can put together a consistent season after the way he started last year with the quarterback he plays with. Cortland Sutton could be a league winner if he builds off what he did in his second season with better quarterback play in this offense now in Denver. Is, I don't know, Jalen Waddle going to be a league winner with Tyreek Hill there? Doesn't feel like it. 
is unless D- Tyreek regresses or gets hurt. Is DK I don't think like but to go I, back to Deontay Johnson. I don't think Deontay Johnson's a league winner in this scenario. I think he's more of a floor play in this scenario. I think right. Darnell Mooney's more of a floor play in this scenario. You know, two guys that I like, but I don't think like given their circumstances, they're going to be league winning type of guys. But I think their floors are pretty safe based on the targets that they should continue to get based on what they showed us in the past and what these systems have shown us. And so those are the type of players I think you're, you're differing, you know, here and just in terms of how they can go. How about McLaurin and Metcalf? What kind of players do you see them as? Are they floor players? Are they league winning types of players? McLaurin and Metcalf. They, they've got lower floors because of the situations that they're in and the opportunities that they'll have. They should be the top target getters for their respective teams. There's questions about their quarterbacks. It's much worse for Metcalf than it is for McLaurin, but it's, there, there's a reasonable chance both of them, you know, end up with 70, 1,005. And I think that's got to be what you keep in mind, especially when you think about, well, what's the ceiling? What, what, what are the chances that these guys can be top 12 wide receivers? How can they get to 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns? Well, it's hard to do in Seattle with a bad quarterback and a coach who wants to run the football all the time. And it's going to be hard to do in Washington with a quarterback that's never had a receiver do well. And a receiver who's never been top ten in points per game, so yeah. it's it, it. Those guys are not just. I don't think we can even call them safe. They're they're just guys that have a very wide range of outcomes, and you should draft them accordingly. For whatever reason, I, I feel safer with McLaurin as a low end number two receiver than I do DK. But they're really in the same type of tier. I'll go the other way with McLaurin. I think McLaurin could be a league winner. Um, I do think that Carson Wentz will bring out hopefully the best of, of McLaurin. And what we saw last year was, you know, I think McLaurin's a better talent than Michael Pittman. If McLaurin's getting 129 targets, 140 targets, I think it's, it's, it's within range. Um, he, could have, he could have finally that big breakthrough season. I don't know if it'll happen. I agree with what Dave said. You know, there's, there's a lot of variables here. Um, you know, Dotson, how much better will he be as the running mate? Uh, will they run the ball to the same level, you know, with the worst offensive line? Um, how much will, you know, McKissick, Logan Thomas, you know, the auxiliary part, auxiliary parts there um, of this offense, Curtis Samuel as well, you know, how much will that take away from it? But I do think that, you know, Carson Wentz can be at times a good downfield thrower, and, and I think that will help McLaurin's game. I think the going from Taylor Heineke to Carson Wentz is a sort of similar to going to Baker Mayfield from anyone that quarterbacked the uh, mm. the uh, Panthers last year because one thing that Wentz does very well is throws a lot of touchdowns. He's pretty pretty solid, four point seven career touchdown rate, and you know that's what Mayfield's been a lot better at than the Panthers guys. Uh, like Heineke and Wentz's stats, I think were very similar last year. They were right, but the touchdowns. Wentz, Wentz took Wentz, more chances. I think Wentz has the stronger arm. That could lead to obviously a better touchdown rate. Yeah. Okay. But well, McLaurin, Baker was considerably better than Sam Darnold and PJ Walker and yeah, Cam Newton. I just meant uh, from a touchdown perspective, but mm-hmm. uh, McLaurin is definitely a confusing one because he, he really just did not have a very good year last year. He had four 100 yard games, and in every other game, he didn't even score 14 PPR fantasy points. It was it was just weird. A lot of really bad games, very frustrating, and just a down year for him, but he was much, much better than that in his first and second seasons. All right, we need to take a break. When we come back, we will uh, talk about some more players here. We have not... I want. You know what? I want to ask you about Michael Pittman and Brandon Cooks, and obviously I know you like them the best, but do they have league-winning upside, or are they more just very safe players? I'm going to ask you that when we come back on Fantasy Football Today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and 
and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We're back talking about rounds four through six, and the players that Dave and Jamie said they liked the best were, in some order, DJ Moore, Michael Pittman, and Brandon Cooks. So it would not be uncommon to see Moore and Pittman get into round three. I don't think you're going to see Brandon Cooks there. He, you know, we love him, but I don't think the industry, I don't, I don't think the drafters are going there with Brandon Cooks just yet. And with Pittman and Cooks, same question I asked about Metcalf and McLaurin. Do, what kind of players do you see? Do you see league-winning potential here? Because I do wonder if they're going to start getting overdrafted. Uh, these guys are not... Well, you know what? I'll just let you guys take it. <laughs> uh, could they get overdrafted if they get into round three with Pittman and Cooks? Do you see league-winning potential or very or just very high floor plays here? I see high floor plays. Pittman's got potential. He could finish as a top-12 receiver. Uh, I, li- I like the move to Matt Ryan. I think he's going to be better for Pittman than Wentz was. Just more accurate quarterback, and specifically for Ryan, he throws best when he's got clean pockets. He's going to get a lot of those in Indianapolis. Worried about volume for him, but I still think that Pittman's in a situation. You mentioned that he he was you know the leader in receiving yards and everything else in Indianapolis last year without anybody else having even 400 receiving yards. I think that's going to play out again this year. As much as I love Alec Pearson, Paris Campbell, I, I can't help but think that Pittman's going to hog targets quite a bit from Matt Ryan. I'm a little worried about the touchdowns from him because we know that Matt Ryan does ignore receivers who draw double coverage in the red zone. But I think Pittman falls into huge volume and uh, has a chance to be top 12. Okay. He is a terrific route runner. Was watching a lot of Michael Pittman this morning. Thought, it looks like a good route runner. Let me see if I'm onto something. And he was rated by PFF for what it's worth as the 17th best, 16th best route running wide receiver in football. And if you look at that was year two. Yeah. You look at Mm -hmm. the top 15, it's just a bunch of superstars, basically. Uh, And he, you know, contested, he can get contested catches. He's a big guy, just not explosive. But if I had a comp for him, it'd be Mike Evans. You feel that? Sure. Yes. I think that's what we were talking about with him when he came out of USC. I think the thing that, you know, helps him uh, is that his competition is a very injury-prone Paris Campbell and a rookie in Alec Pierce. And while those guys are oozing with upside, there's obvious downside with them as well. The tight end's being replaced. You know, even though it's a new quarterback, they have to figure out, you know, Molly Cox and um, uh, Delaney Woods and, you know, how that's all going to work together and, you know, see what happens there. But Frank Reich did say, as much as, you know, we love Jonathan Taylor, and we should, that they got a little too run-centric for him last year. And so will they be more aggressive with a more trusted passer in Matt Ryan? And so 129 targets could lead to 140-plus, and then we could see, you know, Michael Pittman challenging for 100 catches. You know, and so while the touchdowns may escape him, I don't know if he gets more than eight. Hopefully he gets to the 10 range. He scored six last year. But if he's getting in the in the neighborhood of 100 catches, you got to like that. So mm-hmm. he does have league-winning potential. Cook's the thing about him, as we've seen – you know, he's the, the best thing about Brandon Cooks has been the value of Brandon Cooks. And so uh, to your point, Adam, if his ADP and just the draft capital doesn't get out of control, you're going to love Brandon Cooks. You know, we overvalue Brandon Cooks, you know, understandably so. Or maybe we value him correctly. Yeah, I don't, right. I, don't, I wouldn't say we overvalue him. We value yeah. him higher than. I mean, you know, when you start when you start to see him going round three in some industry drafts, you know, then we're overvaluing, I think. OK, but, that was my question. He should should Cooks be a round three pick. I don't think so, but uh, again, it's a matter of you know how how aggressive do you want to be in making sure he's on your team, and how much better is he going to be than he was last year? Is he going to be better than ninety catches? I would probably say no. I think that's a good ceiling for him. Uh, should he be better than just over a thousand yards? Probably so. You know, ninety catches should usually lead to you know more more production. And then how many touchdowns will he score on this team? And and the thing about DJ Moore in particular, Michael Pittman in particular. Um, you know, if you want to start to just, you know, go through the list, those two are probably going to be on bad teams. And that's something that you have to say, okay, where do the targets and the production come from? It probably comes from these two guys, which is why you like them. But again, you know, we start to talk about good quarterbacks versus bad quarterbacks and good opportunities, good situations. You know, we can say Sam Darnold, uh, Baker Mayfield's an upgrade over Sam Darnold, that Davis Mills showed some things last year. There's still flaws for them and their teams. And so the production may be a little bit concerning as well. In the last four games for Houston, uh, 
where Davis Mills and Brandon Cooks played together, there was a game Cooks missed. It was against the Chargers. Uh, Texans put up 29, 41 points in that game for whatever it's worth. Um, 36 targets. That was one of the weirdest games. games of the year. Wasn't it? Yeah. The Texans played in a lot of weird ones last year. Four games where they played together at the end of the year. 36 targets. That's nine per game. 25 catches, 295 yards, three touchdowns. Extrapolate that bad boy over 17 weeks, and it's 106 catches, 1,254 yards, and 13 touchdowns. We expect, and, and one of those games was, speaking of weird Texans games, week 18 where Danny Amendola um, had basically a swan song and had two touchdowns and was basically the focal point of the offense in his last game. So I, I think there's plenty of room for Cooks to move up. I thought what you were going to say, Jamie, is that what we know about Brandon Cooks is that he's been so inconsistent over the course of his career, where one week he's 18 PPR points, the next week he's five, the next week he's nine, the next week he's 23, after that he's 10, and he's just up and down. It's a roller coaster. Yeah, but, but you, you, there's a lot of receivers that are like that now. Yeah, I, I don't I don't worry about that with Brandon Cooks. I just worry, worry okay. about if he gets to this point where it's being he's being drafted in round three. The allure of Brandon Cooks has always been you're getting such tremendous value right, for a right. player that's going to right, right, right. Are we drafting him too close to his ceiling? Yeah, that's a worry. Well, right now he's going 58th. That's amazing. He's wide receiver 22 in fantasy pros, and even in NFC, I believe he's yeah he's going after Gabriel Davis. He's uh, 55th overall. So um, did not get to talk about everybody. No, in it just group. it feels like there are so many incomplete receivers. Yeah, like so how do we feel about a lot of guys about... that are more like McLaurin and Metcalf than there are guys that are like, you know, Ceedee Lamb, Keenan Allen. Yeah, but but you like know why? It's because of the quarterback play, right? So it's is it? I think so. Look, wouldn't you? You'd feel much better about McLaurin and Metcalf if they had good quarterback play. Sure, but they're just that's such a wild card. So then sure. you look at you look at guys like the other other players we haven't mentioned. Uh, some of them: Marquise Brown, Michael Thomas, Gabriel Davis. I know your guys are not drafting Amon or St. Brown in the first six rounds. Uh, the two Broncos guys: Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen, Hunter Renfro. I don't think you're drafting Hunter Renfro in the first six rounds. But you know, again, Marquise Brown, Michael Thomas, Gabriel Davis, Sutton, Judy, Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen. Who stands out in that group? Robinson is my next favorite by far. Um, you know, you look at the production of what Woods and Beckham did combined last year as a number two receiver. Even if they sign Odell Beckham, he's not going to be ready until the end of the year. So you're going to get great production out of hopefully a rejuvenated Allen Robinson with the best quarterback he's ever played in, best system he's ever played in. And so this is just a, a, an unbelievable spot for him. Uh, he's somebody that I would consider taking at the end of the third round as well. Allen Robinson, I, I, that is spicy hot. I mean, this guy's going at the end of the sixth round. Yep. Yep, wow. I agree with Jamie on this one too. Robinson's been my favorite for a while. I did the research. The next best receiver in LA last year had 127 targets over the course of the season, whether it was Woods. And this is on a game to game basis. It's either Woods or Odell Beckham or Van Jefferson. It wasn't Cooper Cup. Um, and that's kind of the role that he's going to get is that solid number two guy. He's impressed them during OTAs. There's been a ton of great uh, reports about Robinson there. He's not an elusive receiver. I don't think he really has been, but he's going to draw consistent. He, they're either going to see a ton of zone coverage from week to week, or it's going to be a safety over Cup's head, not Robinson's head. And Stafford should have no problem going his way. I think 10 touchdowns is possible for Allen Robinson with the amount of scoring that the Rams do and the way that teams are going to start to play them in the red zone. Um, speaking of trying to double cover somebody. And because I'm not sure how that run game is going to end up being. So I like Allen Robinson too. I think he's got some huge upside, but Marquise Brown's my favorite from the group that you mentioned, because I think he can get you off to a hot start as the number one receiver in Arizona, um, already ahead of the curve, according to Cliff Kingsbury, in terms of learning the offense. He's been with Kyler Murray before. They played together in college. They work out together during the offseason. They're BFFs. And I, I think that there's a chance that even when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, Marquise Brown continues to see in the neighborhood of, I, I use the number seven targets per game. That's what Christian Kirk averaged without DeAndre Hopkins last year. I think he can still get there, and he's had seven or more targets, and I think the number is 29 of 43 career games, something close to that. So more than half of his games in his career, Brown's been used to seeing a lot of targets. They haven't necessarily been accurate targets because it's Baltimore, 
And this is an Arizona offense that'll throw more than Baltimore's will. So I think there's a, I think there's 10 touchdown upside for Marquise Brown. I think there's huge potential for him. And I like him in this exact same range as other guys who I'm taking in late round three, early round four. If you just look at the games that Kyler Murray has played the last two seasons that he hasn't left with an injury, he's been on a 17-game pace of 4,402 passing yards and 4,598 passing yards. That's really good. You know, for a guy who's so mobile. Do you have gonna... the touchdown pace, passing yes. touchdown pace? Uh, Well, let's see. His touchdowns, I don't know if I have the paces, but he's thrown 70 touchdowns in 46 games over the last three seasons. Okay. And 26 touchdowns in 16 games in 2020, 24 touchdowns in 14 games in 2021, and there are some injury considerations. So I would say 26, 27 touchdowns and right. so 4,500 yards. That might be a little yards. bit of a hiccup. That might be a hiccup with Marquise the thing. Brown. The thing with Brown is it's just a matter of what happens when Hopkins comes back. Yeah. If Hopkins is anything close to what he has been, it's going to be either just a consistent red zone threat, which is what we saw last year, scoring touchdowns, mm-hmm. or if he's back to being you know close to the alpha receiver he was two years ago, then Marquise Brown's probably going to be in trouble. And so, you know, with Zach Ertz there, and he was very successful for them last season with whatever they do with James Conner out of the backfield or whatever else they use in tandem with him. Uh, you know, Kingsbury has talked a lot about Rondell Moore. It's going to be really interesting to see how this all works together and then whatever they still have of the corpse of A.J. Green. So it's uh, it's a lot of mouths to feed in this offense once we get to week seven. And so can Marquise Brown continue to do that? I agree. Get you off to a hot start. It's just a matter of what happens when Hopkins is back on the field and being that guy for, for Kyler Murray. If I'm going to take a shot at a 29-year-old wide receiver, which is getting up there in age, yeah. why am I going to take a shot on Allen Robinson over Michael Thomas? Health. Better offense? Two very good factors. Health for sure. Definitely a better offense, but a much better opportunity. When Michael Thomas Thomas was dominating, he was doing it as the guy in that New Orleans passing game with Drew Brees as his quarterback. He was doing it as the guy with Taysom Hill, and he was doing it as the guy with with Teddy Bridgewater as well. Who were the next best receivers in those offenses? Alvin Kamara. Okay. (laughs) Who's still there, but now there's also Chris Olave. And there's still Jarvis Landry. And Jameis is a step down from Breeze. I don't think Jameis is uh, a step down from Bridgewater or Hill. He's better than those guys. But I don't know if he's going to command the same type of target share. And I don't know that the videos of him running routes and all that, it's encouraging. I don't know what he's going to be when he comes back in terms of his athleticism and, and his agility. Would you rather have Gabriel Davis or a Broncos wide receiver? Sutton Davis, Judy, right now. Sutton, Davis, Judy for me as well. But I think the thing with Michael Sutton Thomas Davis that are very you're hoping for is that he just continues to get pushed down. Michael Thomas? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I don't, I don't mind taking him. I'm just not taking him in round five. He's around how, six. Probably. How surprised would you be if a Broncos wide receiver finished in the top 12? I wouldn't be surprised if two did. I'd be surprised if two did. I mean, Russell did that once upon a time in a less pass-volume offense. I think he'll have more opportunity to throw this year. And so the, the, the hiccup for one of these two guys is Tim Patrick. And so, you know, if, if Patrick is as good as he's been, it will cap the ceiling for probably both of them, but certainly one of them. But I think this is, you know, in terms of talent, um, on par. I think Sutton and, and Judy as talents are comparable to what Metcalf and Lockett are as, as players. And, you know, we'll find out, you know, we'll, we'll see just how good Russell Wilson makes them. You know, pedigree certainly speaks to them being better than DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So, you know, we'll find out if they can, you know, live up to it. All right. And that's it for today's show. Glad we, glad we tackled that. We didn't talk about Adam Thielen, though. I know Dave likes Adam Thielen. I do. I still think the touchdowns are going to be there for him. They've been there ever since Kirk Cousins has been the quarterback there. Something like anywhere from 29% to 40% target share in the red zone from Kirk Cousins. And I know that everybody's like, oh, there's going to be touchdown regression. The day there will be touchdown regression for Adam Thielen will be the day that Adam Thielen isn't on the field. So that's the regression. But that's the problem. It is a problem, and that's why you're getting him at a pretty decent value. Yeah, no, he's a great value pick. Yeah, he's a great number three receiver. He's not a top 24 guy. Can he stay healthy? And, you know, you you mentioned 29-year-old receiver. He's in his, what, early 30s now? I think he's Um, 32. Uh, and he's battled injuries each of the last two seasons, and they love K.J. Osborne. They are very excited about what his 
opportunity will be. Irv Smith is an upgrade over Tyler Conklin. So, you know, the touchdowns can go other directions at this point. And obviously we're expecting Justin Jefferson to have the Cooper Cup treatment with the coach coming from the Rams. And if that's the case, good God, Justin Jefferson can be an absolute monster, which would probably impact Thielen. So I that, think he's appropriately priced. That whole thing, I'm sorry. We've said it so many times that I, I do not understand it at all. I don't think it's going to happen, but I mean, Jefferson but, obviously is is a monster by himself right now. Yeah, Jefferson, he doesn't need this this uh, supposed Cooper Cup treatment, but that only existed for one year with the Rams. And we give Sean McVay credit for basically everything that happens on that offense. Now we've got a coordinator becoming a coach of a new team, and we're trying to put Cup and Jefferson in the cup role. And I don't know; they've never been a team that's that's featured a wide receiver like that. So it's not even a consideration. Well, I mean, to be fair, when you have Mike Zimmer as the coach, they haven't allowed them no, to be. No, the Rams have never been a team that's featured oh, a wide receiver well, like that until last year. You know, maybe they 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 figured out the formula and it obviously worked. It well, took. He it just took, was so much better than everyone. And maybe Jefferson is that much better. But than it, it took everyone. it took Matthew Stafford going there to make that happen, and there was a change. And so there's a change now in Minnesota with the coach. I don't know if we're going to see Justin Jefferson, you know, what did Cup have, 180 targets? Roughly, yeah. It was all- I mean, I would be surprised if Jefferson's under 150. Oh, man, I love Justin Jefferson. I just, I, I don't, I don't know. This whole, like, he's going to be Cooper Cup thing. No, just, he's not going to be Cooper Cup. Also, I mean, it's obviously romanticizing the situation, but yeah. I think when you just look at what the upside could be for him versus the downside for the other guys there, as we've noted, when we're talking about Allen Robinson, you could still be really good in this. If, if it's a similar system, which we expect it to be, the second guy could still be really good. Robert Woods and Odell Beckham were still really good. Dylan could still be no, really good. No, they weren't, and though. If Dylan's not there, Osborne could be really they, good. I don't think they were good. You know, I mean, you, we say that a lot about Beckham. He really wasn't. He caught touchdowns. And that's, I think, what you're banking on for Allen Robinson. But what were his yards per game with the Rams? I don't even know if he averaged 50 yards per game. No, I, but in terms of what their fantasy production was. It wasn't that... I don't know. I mean, in let's see, he played eight games with the Rams. He averaged 38 yards per game, but he caught five touchdowns. So I've just got to say it. Odell Beckham was not good in the regular season with the Rams. It's a little bit better maybe in the playoffs. I think he had his first 100-yard game in, in a million years in the playoffs. But Odell Beckham was touchdown dependent, and I think that's what Allen Robinson might be. And Alan, And Matthew Stafford threw a ton of touchdowns last year, and if that comes down, then... I think Robinson might be a really frustrating player. I think he, you might only get touchdowns from him because he does not make plays after the catch. He'd never been that kind of guy, really, except maybe when he was in his um, second year and he had the 1,400 yards. But this guy is a possession receiver who's he's been a heavily targeted guy. And if he's not that, and he's not going to be heavily targeted, if he's not that, he's going to have to score touchdowns. I'm sorry. That's why I think for, I think he's got the best chance in this group to score touchdowns, probably. But if he doesn't score them, he's going to be a bust, I think, Allen Robinson. Unless he's schemed the way that Cooper Cup was schemed, where you, you don't see it when you're watching it on TV, but Cup figures out a way to get open, and when he catches the ball, there's no one within three yards of him, and Robinson yeah. could do the exact same thing. And he's it's also, that, you know, he's you're, that you're savvy saying, of a route runner that he could get open like that, and the scheme works to get receivers that open. And the quarterback. I mean, it's not the just that. You know, it's part of the scheme. <laughs> look at the guys that Robinson's played with. Oh, Yeah. Such a significant upgrade. Huge. Okay. Uh, let me just give this last stat on Adam Thielen. So he has played 33, 33 games in his last three seasons in which he's played his normal snap share. He's actually left a lot of games early, and it's hurt Adam Thielen's per-game stats. Mm-hmm. In those 33 games, Thielen has fewer than 60 yards in 19 of them, and his 17-game pace in those 33 games is 1,018 yards. Really not good. So it is about the touchdowns. What's the touchdown pace? <laughs> 18, probably. I don't. Uh, high. I'm going to guess it's at least 15. He okay. had 14 touchdowns in 15 games in 2020, which was a mostly healthy season. Didn't leave any games early with an injury. I think he missed one game sure. with COVID. But no, yeah, he's I probably about have feeling too high. No, but I'm still somebody. I'm still. He's going to be one of my favorite number three receivers. He's the last guy drafted in this range. He's into round seven. Right, so, but I've got take him over St. Brown, for example. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So you and for now, I'm taking wait. him over Judy. I don't know if it's going to stay that way. But for now, that's where I've got him. This has been a long show, but I do wonder if round seven is just the 
dramatic drop at wide receiver. You do have Hopkins. Uh, I don't know. You got Elijah Moore, Devontae Smith. No, Juju Smith-Schuster's in there. Never mind. Never mind. All right, more on Are that. Are those on, the on receivers we should be waiting for then? I'm just trying to give you podcast content. I'm yeah. not saying that that's what I should do. All right, good stuff. I like it. All right, we'll talk I'll to you tomorrow. tomorrow. I'll, I'll tell you the, the one thought that I had in my head all throughout <laughs> the entire show was the more that we go through these names and realize their upsides and downsides, the more I like waiting for Alan Lazard. It's, hey, there you go. It's another one you get after that. These, these are, those are two guys that are going to get pushed up. Not two. Not those two. Lazard and Russell Gage are going to be two receivers that get pushed up dramatically, mm-hmm. given their circumstances and once people start to actually do, do their draft. All right, guys. Thank you very much for the long show. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.